1: At the Law Society and in all these other colleges and in the public institutions at large, what has happened is the activists have become the establishment. The activists are the establishment and the establishment hates to lose control. And so the establishment will do whatever it can to make sure that it gets control back, whether it's where we're talking about the Law Society or or any of the other public institutions that one might try to influence. I hope is starting to reveal what the game plan is here for many of these regulators and I hope people will see it and think this is this is not the proper role of a public regulator the redefining professionalism to be progressive is professional to not be progressive is to be wrong and you're not allowed to be wrong so either be progressive or be canceled <laughs>
0: everybody. Michael Teeson here with Open Mic with Michael Teeson, the show where I get to have fantastic long-form discussions with friends of liberty and freedom and the rule of law. So today I get to speak with our friend Bruce Party. Bruce, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show to continue our discourse about the legal environment in Canada. Thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for the invitation. Great to join you.
0: So uh, this is a real privilege because you and I uh, fight many different battles and and, and we, we kind of seem to be just like down the line from each other a little bit where like I, I can see you on the front lines and, yeah. uh, I, you know, get to look at your shoulder and it's great to be able to kind of see you face to face today and have this discussion. So we're going to jump right into it. You know that at Liberty Coalition Canada, we are... Uh, acting on behalf of this young man, Josh Alexander, uh, where we are ha- uh, applying to appeal for uh, his expulsion from school. And, and we're kind of in a back and forth dialogue with the school board right now. Um, what, what are your hot takes on young Joshua? What, what are your, some of your first reactions as you're seeing this case just kind of hit the news uh, it, right. you know, from your legal perspective?
1: Right. Well, what what strikes me is that his his speech and indeed his attitudes are being policed and supervised and and they are being found wanting because he's not thinking and speaking in accordance with the 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 ascendant philosophy of the day. And, you know, this is this is a you know, in a way a a new era in these respects you have school boards but also other kinds of public institutions playing this game which is they're, they're redefining the meaning of reasonable civilized conduct and in order to be allowed to carry on your normal life inside these institutions whether it be a school or a profession or the like you you have to obey the, 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 the guidelines, the framework that they've set out. And, and increasingly that framework requires you to adopt a certain kind of ideology in your speech and in your thinking. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a bad scene. So Bruce, one of the questions that I come up
0: against as I'm kind of trying to think through this philosophically is that, you know, When, when we, when we see things like the protection of rights, right, there, there seems to be a battle for rights, and you know, people would maybe look at you Mm -hmm. and me and say, "Well, you are just trying to protect your rights. What about my rights?" Or you are trying to protect Mm -hmm. um, a certain Mm -hmm. type of rights. Well, what about my rights? And it's almost like rights language can merge into Mm -hmm. an absurdo world where people can claim they have the right to anything. And as a lawyer, you know, I'm thinking, yes, I, I, sure. I'm I, as a lawyer, like I, I'm kind of just thinking of like gender orientation and some of these other things that have been put on par with freedom of religion and freedom of conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where do we go when when this absurdo world
1: starts unfolding legally? Right. Well, let's just let's just take a backward step for a moment. To the idea of rights yes so so whenever you have a right the 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 essence of that right is essentially to restrict the liberties of someone else right so if you have if you have freedom of religion that prevents other people other institutions other other businesses from stepping in and restricting your ability to worship and believe as you please so that's, in a very real sense, that's a restriction on their liberty. They are not allowed to impose upon you. And without that right, they could. The, the, what has happened recently, though, is that that we have shifted from the conception of rights protecting liberties. So your, your freedom of religion is a liberty right. My, my freedom of expression is a liberty right. It prevents other people from censoring me, stepping in and interfering with what I do. More recently, human rights have been weaponized, in a sense, not only to restrict our ability to interfere with each other, but to require all of us to, to go along with the requirements that other people are imposing upon us. And one of the best examples of this is the idea of, of, of these pronouns, right? So gender identity is now included in, in, in most of the human rights codes across the country, and they are being interpreted as though somebody is allowed to pick their own pronoun and more importantly is is able to require you to use it that's the part that really is 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 questionable now of course anybody can choose their own pronouns or their their own name their own identity they can dress as they wish they can call themselves whatever they want i mean that that's part of being free you can you can do as you wish the part that's new is that you can require other people to go along with that interpretation of yourself, to call you a man or a woman, to use your pronoun and to, and to comport with the identity that you yourself have created. And that, that is a different thing. That that's what I call that. I call that the weaponization of of human rights.
0: Yeah. And of course we've seen this with Jordan Peterson and I I know that we, we, you and I are going to just take that conversation about Josh and maybe springboard into some of these other big stories that's going on. So, so, Right. So here we're seeing it with Jordan Peterson. So he's received a notification from the college of psychologists on February 16th, 2022. Uh, and he, he's under review and uh, he's being threatened as far as I can understand in, in his uh, Twitter files that he's revealed uh, to have his license revoked. Uh, what, what do you know about the right. Jordan Peterson situation and what, what are your comments towards this? yeah
1: well, so Jordan is central to all this, right because let me let's go let's go again back to to sort of where all this started way back when the uh the Federal Human Rights Act was being amended to include gender identity, Jordan and I and Jared Brown and others said this is going to result in forced speech it's going to weaponize human rights so that you have to use pronouns and so on and a lot of people said oh that's ridiculous and of course that's exactly what has happened and and jordan is now being um pursued by the college of of uh, psychologists for essentially for wrong think for having posted on social media various things that that the college finds offensive uh, because it's not it's not in accordance with 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 what i might say what call their their sort of their their progressive or woke philosophy or ideology and uh they uh, i would think they found an opportunity uh to to persecute jordan is basically a witch hunt uh, to require him to to undergo, you know, sort of a, a Soviet like reeducation to understand, you know, how he's supposed to post information on social media. I mean, it's a it's a joke. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jordan Peterson taking instruction from someone else about how to use social media? It's a it's it is to laugh. Uh, but but they're very serious about it. They're very serious about it. The complaints that have been have been lodged against him. Just to be clear have not been lodged by any of his patients in the context of his clinical practice. These are uh, these are aggrieved people or perhaps other professionals who who don't like his ideological approach to things. And the college is using its power to require him to, to, to fall in line. And this is a trend we are seeing from regulators across this country. Jordan is by no mean an isolated case. Uh, for example, we have uh, Amy Ham, who's a nurse in British Columbia. Our, her college is, is attempting to discipline her because she happens to believe in two genders. And they are redefining this as professional misconduct. If you do not comport with the progressive ideology of the day, they are redefining that to mean that you are incompetent because you are not thinking about things properly. And you can see this reflected in all different kinds of situations with respect to professional colleges. Uh, another example for, um, for instance, is the, uh, not just the Ontario version, but the Ontario college of physicians and surgeons, uh, last year issued basically a notice to its doctors saying you shall not, you shall not express opinions publicly that conflict with official COVID policies you shall not express opinions that that suggest that lockdowns are not a good idea or that masking doesn't work or that vaccine mandates are inappropriate you you may not do it and doctors have done it and they have felt the ire of the of the college so in all kinds of situations and 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 more than i've 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 related you have professional colleges um leaving their traditional territories of ensuring competence and ethical practice and turning their functions into ideological watchdogs. Uh, A certain kind of attitude and an embracing of 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 program is turning into uh, a requirement for keeping your license and the the idea of a neutral regulator is going out the window. Yeah, one of the details
0: of, of the complaint I'm just reading from uh, from the petition against Jordan Peterson is that Dr. Jordan Peterson has publicly opinion, publicly opined that no cho- Children's Aid Society intervention is required in the public review of the Ottawa trucker protest. And again, right. So, so that is that is a pretty. that's a a pretty, I want to say, basic opinion. And what I mean by that is for any of us who are on the ground watching parents tent for their children, for anyone who is involved down there, you would go, yes, it is absurd to think that CAS would need to be called. Uh, Now, in in reflection of that, uh, the Ottawa police may have had their own plans uh, of forcibly removing people. And so maybe for their own benefit, they wanted to do such a thing. But But again, to to say that an individual is no longer an acceptable um, – that that's professional misconduct to state an opinion that the children are being cared for by their parents in Ottawa is is simply a one-handed argument. First of all, that's an assertion. It's not an argument. It doesn't come with foundations of any issues of children. And secondly – I, I, this this is just the limitation of an opinion. There, there, there's no there's no crime. Yeah. There's no there, there, there's no um, ongoing mail practice. You know that that this is just one complaint against
1: Peterson. Sure, sure, sure. And it, it seems obvious to you and me that that this is this is crazy. There's a but though, and the but is that this kind of thing is in a way an unfortunate inevitable well i'm not sure it's inevitable but it's it's not an it's not out of the realm of possibility when you give power to a state apparatus to supervise people's behavior that belong to a certain profession right so, so as soon as you have the notion that it is within the competence of certain people to supervise other people in the in the conduct of their professional lives. You're going to have to draw a line somewhere. So let's, let's take a, a, an obvious line somewhere else. Let, let's say you have a doctor who goes on social media and, and promotes, um, I don't know, uh, exorcism to cure COVID-19. Okay, well, you know, that sounds crazy to both doctors and people who are not doctors like us. And so you'd think, well, the college might have a role there in in curbing Sorry, the I, expression of that idea, I do, right? I, I
0: feel like we're just missing a punchline here because, ha, like, ha. I I feel like if I don't pause and say, well, no, maybe we should like they tried everything else, maybe exorcism should have been on the like uh, like right. everything but well. vitamin D and being being healthy and getting you know, it was okay sorry i just had to I,
1: it, might, it might it might have worked as well as the rest of the stuff that exactly were, were that's exactly to, it let's let's, no, let's yeah, 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 you know. know yeah go ahead but but so but, but but so the premise of the of the regulatory system for the professions is you know there are boundaries and and your speech is going to be supervised more than the speech of a, somebody who's not a member of the profession because you just can't go out and and say anything as though it is medically appropriate. So they've taken that idea and they're now and they and they have control of what the boundaries are and they're setting new boundaries so that what we would consider to be legitimate medical opinions about things i mean i want to hear from doctors about what they think about lockdowns about the vaccines about masking because without those i would have no idea what the truth is because there's been a basically a narrative promoted And the, and the, the, you know, the media has adopted it. The government has adopted it. The, 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 and the professional bodies most notably have adopted the narrative and insist upon its truth. And without the doctors who saw fit to stick their necks out and say, well, this is not, I don't agree with this. I don't think lockdowns are effective, or I don't think the vaccines are doing what they're claiming or the like. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have the information to make up our own decisions. And so in my books, You have to have a regulatory system that allows doctors to express their opinions, medical or political, uh, about things without restraint. But but as I say, if you if you have the notion that there are certain things that cross the line into medical negligence, like advocating exorcism, well, then, you know, the, the danger is that regulators have power and they're using that power to 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 shift the line closer to where they stand and not allowing people doctors who who are who have medical expertise to to explain what they think and why they believe the narrative adopted by the college is not correct and 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 so we've got a real governance problem
0: hey friends are you tired of having leftism rammed down your throat everywhere you turn Like you're just exhausted where you go into a business and they want to promote leftist ideas and causes to you all day long. I know I'm tired of this. And, you know, this is why we need to have new buying habits. So why are you buying coffee from companies that hate you and your freedoms? I I can think of the day that I stopped desiring to support Starbucks. It was two years ago. Well, look, resistance coffee is here for you. I was just talking to Nicole in our production studio. She really wants to drink resistance coffee, but she's not yet gone and bought resistance coffee. Well, look, you can enjoy their wonderful taste and their fresh roasted coffee, Nicole, with the knowledge that your money is not funding left causes. So in fact, folks, Resistance Coffee gives 10% of every purchase to organizations that are fighting for constitutional freedoms for Canadians. This is partly why we partnered with Resistance. They have been gracious to us from day one. So Resistance Coffee roasts specialty-grade beans, which means you're getting high-end quality coffee that's roasted fresh for you. So be done with stale grocery store coffee. Uh, or uh, picking up your $4 uh, coffee cup somewhere else, support Canadian freedoms, go to resistancecoffee.com backslash LCC and join the resistance today. Nicole, go out and buy it today. Stop hesitating. Go online. You can do it. resistancecoffee.com backslash LCC. So do you think that the college is making a mistake here? When I I first read about this Jordan Peterson case, I, I thought to myself, this is actually perfect because they've gone too far. Uh, yep. I talk about Jordan Peterson yep. affectionately and critically in the sense that um, y- you and I have had conversations about, well, if, if, if we're battling this ideology, we need to have another mm-hmm. ideology that we're actually promoting. Uh, you might mm-hmm. use words like traditional and I, I might use words like a Christian worldview let's, we can talk
1: about that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not even sure I would use traditional, but anyway, let's not worry about okay, that. Okay. Right that's now.
0: fair. Okay. Um, <laughs> yep. Something that were legally, that was legally true 25 years ago. Maybe, no, maybe fair, is what fair. I meant. Yeah. By okay, that. Fair enough. So, right. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I look to Jordan Peterson for his courage, for his willing to willingness to speak, uh, articulately for his willingness to civilly dialogue, about these things. I don't look to him for all things. That's that's all I'm trying to get at. But when I read this issue, when I read him reporting on this, I said, they've gone too far. This is Jordan Peterson. Like there, There's mm-hmm. no Canadian. Well, now that I'm reading through all the complaints, I, there are some Canadians. But there's not many Canadians who don't appreciate everything we've seen from him, if that's from... You know him mildly reacting to the trans activists who were calling him all kinds of names right at the very onset. To him, mm-hmm. maintaining the you know, I want to say the same talking points, maintaining the you know the same like you know, like you said early on. They were we, you, there was already these concerns about forced speech. So, do you think the college has gone too far? Like, is this finally going to be? the place where we see the public saying okay who are these regulators where do they come from are they are they appointed by elected officials and does that mean mm-hmm. that i need to vote differently in the future or mm-hmm. like like how are how are you seeing reaction to this
1: right well i i hope they have gone too far and i i hope they've chosen the, the wrong target i mean this is a this was a real burden upon Jordan and completely unfair. But I mean, in a way, this could turn out exactly the way you're describing, which is this is going to pull back the curtain on exactly what they're up to. And, you know, Jor- Jordan is never <laughs> is never going to agree to be reeducated. You mean we, we all know that uh, he, he's 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 got a spine that man. And and he is uh, determined to show the world what's going on in this case, and that is terrific because that's that's the kind of reveal w- that we need. You know, you can think of two other examples, perhaps of people of, of organizations going too far. And uh, one is COVID itself. I mean, and that this is still playing out. But but I'm the silver lining in COVID. I'm hoping is that the public health authorities have simply gone too far and made so many mistakes and so been been so egregiously extreme and dictatorial and author authoritarian on on all on so many things that people will wake up and, and begin not to trust them anymore and begin not to trust their public authorities of other kinds so much anymore. Uh, So that's that's one possibility. The other example that I'd like to refer to is the Law Society of Ontario, which is the same kind of public regulator as the as the medical colleges. Um, uh, Some years ago, they put together what they called the Statement of Principles requirement, which was to require all the lawyers and paralegals in the province to 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 make their own statement. Uh, embracing and acknowledging their obligation to promote equity, diversity, and inclusion, uh, defined in their own terms, which was essentially an ideological requirement for for maintaining a license to practice law. And at the time, uh, a, a group of us sort of put together. A, well, we, we gathered together a group of people who were adamantly opposed to this kind of of overreach, and and they ran in the bencher election and 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 won Now we didn't win a majority but we went we won enough seats to be able to repeal the requirement uh which was which was terrific but it's only the tip of the iceberg and the rest of the agenda is still there it's sort of been held in abeyance thanks to the uh, presence of our people there, but the a new election is coming up, and so the whole fight is going to begin again. Uh, but I, but but that that experience plus COVID plus Peterson and plus Amy Ham and plus so many other situations across the country, I hope is starting to reveal what the game plan is here for many of these regulators, and I hope people will see it and think this is this is not the proper role of a public regulator, the redefining professionalism. To be progressive is professional. To not be progressive is to be wrong. And you're not allowed to be wrong. So either be progressive or be canceled.
0: So before we kind of continue in that broader conversation, because it's it's an area that we virtually always have to go, let's just focus on yeah. this Law Society of Ontario. So uh, you, you right. just mentioned ventures. So if, I'm, I'm looking at their website right now. It seems to me that there are at least four or five different Forms of benchers. There's, there's the board of directors who are called benchers. There's lay benchers. There are elected lawyer benchers, and then there yeah. are elected paralegal benchers, and even ex officio benchers. Can you
1: right? Okay. Yeah. Can
0: you kind of wade yeah, through sure. that? Because our our listeners have never. Just so you know, I, I'm pretty sure I've never covered this, Bruce, in a podcast. Right. So just kind of talk to us top to bottom of the Ontario Law Society. And, sure. and and if there's anybody listening who can help affect good
1: positive change uh, in, in that world, what might they do? Right. So uh, the law society is governed by a body called convocation. It's basically the board of directors. And there are, are 53 seats on convocation. 40 of them are lawyer seats. They're elected. They're elected by other lawyers. Five of them are paralegal seats. They're elected by other paralegals and eight of them are lay bencher seats They're appointed by the government. And so in this previous election, though, that I was referring to, we ran 22 candidates for the 40 seats and won 22 seats with every single one of them was elected. And so we had a majority of the lawyer seats, but not a majority of convocation seats. So we had 22 of 53 seats. And so we, we've we spent the last four years not in the majority position but we were able uh, and and the uh, the people we, we were elected were were terrific uh, in the early months after their election uh, in a minority position uh managing to repeal this policy that I referred to this statement of principles policy uh, with great difficulty because there was tremendous resistance uh, the, the, the people that we ran and the people who came forward and said you know i'm a, I'm opposed to this. Are, are not your usual venture candidates. They're not the elites. They're not the people at the big firms. They're not the people with the names. They're just ordinary lawyers doing their work and 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 the ones who said, this is this is not all right. This is a line that's been crossed. We can't put up with this. And they've done yeoman's work, uh, but they've been in a minority position. So, so all of the other parts of this agenda uh, that were put in place before they came on board are still there. They haven't been as, as aggressively acted upon in the presence of, of our people, uh, but the new the new the new election is coming up this spring, and uh, you know that the my best guess is that what happens from this point will will very much depend upon what happens in this next election. So anyone who's interested in this, anyone who who objects to this kind of regulatory overreach, especially in the in the political sense um you know we we would welcome your support uh any lawyers out there the most important thing the lawyers can do is vote uh, and make sure you vote I mean so most bencher elections at the law society mo- most lawyers don't vote because it's such a nuisance thing it's a nothing for for years it meant nothing well very little most lawyers ignore it uh of the of the 50 plus 50,000 plus lawyers who are eligible to vote in the province you know you have something under 10,000 voting every time. Uh, but but now it matters. It's becoming something that really matters. And so we're hoping that more lawyers will pay attention and and will actually vote when they have the chance. And, and those lawyers who would like to support us with a financial contribution or with campaigning, that would be terrific too. But the most important thing is to vote when the time comes.
0: Because this is... Like this is earth shattering stuff we're talking about when, when you're talking about every lawyer in Ontario, having to make a commitment to equity inclusivity and tolerance and all of those things. Right. Yeah. I know that you talked on the other podcast with the guys about the difference between equality before the law and equity of outcomes. Uh, When when, when we're talking about inclusion, what, what we, what we really mean is in inclusion of radical dysfunctional ideas, I would go into the category of of like perverse ideas f- replacing normative ideas like there is a there 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 is only male and female that I would have the the, the biological evidence for that I would have the reproductive evidence for that we, we you know so so we're talking right. we're well, talking about yeah. arming instead of Ontario lawyers being able to defend and provide support that everybody is equal before the law. You're talking about turning the law society into its very own activist group. That
1: is correct. That is exactly correct. At at a legal level. Like
0: I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a Christian pastor and I can think of all of the things that I disagree with religiously, philosophically, legally, all of these things, you take every Ontario lawyer and pit that lawyer mm-hmm. against me, who, who represents me in a conversation where I just want to say, I, I, I think that's wrong.
1: Yes. Well, this is the thing, right? So so the lawyers are the last line of defense. And so when, you're, when you are fighting the powers that be about your rights to think and act and speak as you think fit, you're going to need a lawyer. And if that lawyer has been compromised, by the requirements that they've have imposed upon them by their own regulator, you know, then where are you going to go? And think
0: about this, uh, inst- right? So this is this is private, this is business, and this is institutional, right? This is where we saw Trinity Western not a, out in British Columbia not not be yes. allowed to offer a, a, yes. a legal training. So it's all bent towards this one activist ideology. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, Bruce, yes. whatever we can do to help, let us know, because uh, that's that that seems to be a very critical yep. issue in the in the law society right now.
1: Absolutely. No, thank you. I, I and, and we very much appreciate that. It, it, it's, it's going to be crucial and, and it is part of the phenomenon, as you alluded to, uh, uh, that 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 things that in in an earlier era would have been considered private is becoming public every everything is becoming public every everything now is is legitimate for the public regulators and the and and the and and that the, the government to weigh in on so we have a we there's a category that traditionally is called private law you know contract law and property law and so on it's private law but but more and more Private law is a public concern and your private relationship with your lawyer is not a private relationship. It's a public relationship in the sense that the public regulator sees fit to supervise that relationship and to define the, the, the ideas and, 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 uh, principles that the lawyer must embrace before he's entitled to take on that, that, that relationship. Right, so yeah. which is it
0: totally correlates to what we saw with COVID nineteen. When you're talking about the regulatory bodies telling them that they are not allowed to give conflicting evidence. In fact, again, I've reported on this a number of times. If you actually go to the College of Surgeons and Physicians of Ontario right now, you can see where they advise doctors to potentially medicate individuals who are vaccine hesitant and to reject right. their their medical exemptions in order to uh, in order to not. Uh, perpetuate or or uh, or deepen somebody's uh, you know medical medical adversity when in the, the, right. the that that's absurdo world where it's like no my my doctor's not here to represent your talking point my doctor's here to examine my body observe do their own good research of which your recommendations might be a part of their body of research but, the, but they're supposed to be here for me yeah. and a lawyer is supposed to be here for me where I go in and I tell you everything yeah. about me and you go okay so this is how yeah. we demand this is you know I, I don't want criminals abusing be, the that, justice that, system but you want criminals you, you want, want anybody to be able to say this is our strategy to get your uh, your your fair day in court your
1: your, your heard appeal sure Yes 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 but but if I can put it this way, what these professional regulators and other public institutions are engaged in now is a reframing of the truth and a reframing of reasonable conduct so as to comport with a particular set of principles and and you know y- your welfare is really not the point i mean it's it's supposed to be the point i mean these regulators exist purportedly to protect the public interest by by ensuring that their licensees are competent to practice whether it's law or dentistry or medicine or whatever it is but but they are they're redefining that so as to mean that if they don't Share a certain set of political ideas. They are they are incompetent and in in that sense I mean the Amy ham situation is a good example. Amy ham is being called incompetent because She believes there are two genders That, that 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 is That's an illustration of the degree to which these authorities are going to to reframe the reality of the world
0: yeah, I, you, I'm just going to read one of her tweets out uh, for which she's for which she's being accused. Uh, she uh, she tweeted out, uh, if you're in healthcare and you disagree with me and think teens should have double mastectomies and males should be a female uh, and males should be in female rape shelters, you still need me. You still need me to win. There are ever-shifting goalposts. When woke people decide what who to cancel, they'll come for you eventually. Which, which that tweet is is reminiscent of the of of, of that that whole um, that whole uh, you know progressive sentence you know. Uh, they came for the trade unionists, but I wasn't a trade unionist. Oh, yes, and yes, so, yes, so, yes, so they didn't, so yes, I didn't do anything. Yes, and then they, they came for the, right. I can't remember the progression because it, it gets filled with so many different things, but um, it, you know, that she's basically saying, Hey, look, like if you're not, if you're not, if you disagree with me, you still need me to make declarative, truthful statements because if you just go along with this, they'll just, you know, take, take you away as well. Um. So Bruce, on that point, and, and the reason why I want to connect these dots is I w- as you were kind of yeah. talking about the situation, I wanted to ask you, do you get the sense that this is principled? like so, so, so 53 53 benchers, mm. 22 of them you, you've been able to uh, effectively get elected. So we're, mm. we're left with 31. Is this principled, like where thirty-one, at university educated, master's degree likely professionals, actually believe that the ideology they're pumping, or is it just that is are, are we? And I've said this all throughout COVID. It just feels like we're back on the schoolyard, where there's like two people mm-hmm. thinking. There's a whole lot of people who just want to just want to go along to get along, and they'll virtually they'll virtually deny reality mm-hmm. to be so. So is it like you know? There's 22, and then there's 31 who are like, or is it the schoolyard? I, I, I don't know. Maybe you can't answer that. But how do, how do you what, what's
1: your sense? Well, I mean, it's hard. So. I mean, the other 31 are not a monolith. They're individuals, too. And I'm sure that they think a variety of things, but there are definitely, I would say, th- I mean, my, my take is that I would say that there are definitely people on the body who who really, who really believe, who really are you know, true believers. I don't think probably they all are, but I think the, the dynamic you're referring to is probably definitely happening I and mean, it's happening it happens in all kinds of other contexts including with COVID as you as you allude to um but but the but the overall dynamic is that uh that that to insist upon the I'm going to use the word traditional that you use the traditional idea of blind justice which is really what's at stake here but let's just, for a moment, let's just consider the the law society's version of those ideas that I listed: equity, or equality, d- uh, diversity, and inclusion. I mean, what the law society means there is to discard the idea of blind justice. That is, they are rejecting the idea that the same rules and standards should apply to everybody, and instead they are adopting the idea. That different rules should be applied to different groups, in accordance with, well, number one, the preference of the decision maker, and number two, you know, the the perceived group disadvantages that perhaps you know you can you can imagine what they might be, but but the but the but the point is that that this philosophy is exactly opposite to that that statement that we all know from um, from. Um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. That people should be judged on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. This set of ideas says the opposite. They say no, no. If you are a certain color, then you should be treated this way differently than somebody else with a different color skin. Uh, and that that's the insistence. And that that's that set of ideas, which is contrary to to um, formal equality, and contrary to blind justice. Contrary to freedom of speech, contrary to you know a a, a sort of a rigorous traditional version of the rule of law, uh, is is transforming. I mean, the law society is not alone in this. I mean, these ideas have infiltrated our system of law. So I don't want to give you the impression that the law society is an outlier in this. that, That that wouldn't be accurate. This is this is happening all over the place, and the law society may be among the leaders. Uh, you know, near, near the near the tip of the spear, but uh, it's 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 not a it's not wandering outside what the trends are.
0: I, I want I I have a a statement and then a and then a question for you. So the statement goes to what you just said, said at the end when you, you use that metaphor, tip of the spear. The reason why the law society is the tip of the spear is because, like you said, they're also the last defense. So if I have no lawyer in right. Ontario who is going to seek out the fact that either my private beliefs or my public statements are, are protected in court. Then, then basically, you know, and again, some of my activist friends would say we're already there, but basically the only thing left is for the public of Canada to just Mm -hmm. live their own lives and, and, uh, and reshape everything. Um, but right, yeah. so so right. So, it, so, right. It, right. so I, I totally yep. understand you saying, guys, like they're not leading the way; they're just a part of the many groups that are doing it. In fact, this is why James Kitchen and I we've talked many times about these regulatory bodies are some of the most powerful bodies in the country, and that is why they they all need to be held to legal account. So I'm really glad you're doing mm-hmm. work in in the Law Society of Ontario. The question I have for you coming coming out of those statements, um, where where you know you're saying this is happening happening everywhere and and the law society is an important you know a, a strategic battleground uh, it, it kind of it, it still goes back to that question of 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 pressure of like uh, are, are we too far gone or is it this mm. local activism like what you're doing here in ontario do, do we have an opportunity to do this elsewhere where people just need to need to, as, as you know, the phrase, wake up and get involved. And as you said, you know, not many, not many lawyers vote. We need more lawyers to vote sensible things. Um, mm-hmm. Where are you feeling as far as, as far
1: as the fight? Well, that's, that's always a very good question. Uh, one of the reasons that we're able to at least try to do what we're doing at the law society is that that these these uh, 45 members of convocation are still elected. By members of the profession, I mean, in in in, in some regulatory bodies, uh, the members are appointed by governments or, or a combination thereof, as it is the case with the law society to some extent. Um, and, and you know that that whatever systems in place for any particular body is libel can be changed by the government in power anytime they want. I mean, they're not inclined to do it frequently, but it is possible for them to do because the law society as with other colleges and so on exists because they're created by statute. They are they, they appear to be sort of independent bodies and they function that way. But they are also arms of the state. They're part of the executive branch of the state uh i mean and, and you're asking me if i'm optimistic i mean the answer would have to be no that's
0: kind of where yeah. the, i have one more question to ask out of that and and i know i asked you a difficult question but yes that is kind of the question like our it goes back to the whole it goes back to the whole question of like is this the schoolyard where out of 53 people you get 22 on there maybe this year you're going to get 10 more and then the others are like okay someone else is someone's going to take this from us because it just got out of hand versus no we're dealing with militants all over the place who want to subvert reality and and overthrow the traditional rule of law in our country
1: well we are dealing with activists all over the place no no question about that In, in all the institutions uh you know you can see it you can see it everywhere you can certainly see it in the behavior of. Colleges of various kinds, regulators of various kinds, uh, as we alluded to at the beginning. Um, uh, yeah, so this so, so the law society is not unique in this and 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 the law society of Ontario is not unique amongst law societies, uh, long societies across the country. I mean, this is happening not, ex- not in exactly the same way, but happening. Same themes are coming up at other law societies in various provinces. Um, so, I mean, we 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 hope that things will go well. In this next election, but there's no way to tell because the situation now is very different than it was last time last time. Um, the activists were firmly in control and and we were just a bunch of outsiders and and I, I think it was a, a surprise for everybody that that enough lawyers agreed with us uh, about our take on this on this policy that they were they were. Annoyed enough to say, yeah, we won't we don't want this now this time around, everything's out in the open in terms of of what we think and how we how we work and and, uh, the attitudes that we take towards these these aggressive activist policies. And but 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 the so let's put it this way, it the law society and in all these other colleges and in the public institutions at large, what has happened is the activists have become the establishment. The activists are the establishment, and the establishment hates to lose control. And so the establishment will do whatever it can to make sure that it gets control back, whether it's where we're talking about the law society or or any of the other public institutions that one might try to influence.
0: You know, folks, today in our episode, we were talking about all of the monetary incentives that people have to lie to you. And um, what we're trying to do in many situations is dig for the truth. And I want to take a moment to tell you about my friends at Rocklink Investment Partners. The team at Rocklink doesn't invest your money to satisfy a woke ESG goal or fall in line with the World Economic Forum. They invest in great businesses that will protect and grow your wealth the old-fashioned way. Get out of mainstream money. And give the Freedom Lovers at RockLink a call at 905 631 5462 and send them an email at info at rocklink with a C dot com. That's info at a c dot com. Okay, so that's a good segue into into the last question on this point that um, you use the metaphor of justice being blind. Mm-hmm. Where So, okay, justice is blind, impartial, scales, um, due process, sword, uh, you know, appropriate punishments and consequences for criminal behavior. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where in the – where does the category of all – like the the expansion of – Legal interest. Which one of those metaphors does that fall under? The expansion of legal interest. You you know what I'm saying? Whereby we go from uh, tolerance and civility, which is I'm going to agree Mm -hmm. to disagree with you. Like we have deeply, we we all have deeply embedded worldviews that we seek to promote on Mm -hmm. this earth. And many of us would die for them. And mm-hmm. it, again, the the, the um, equality before law says, "Well, this is how far you can go, and this is how far you can't go." This becomes criminal. So it seems that there there's been this, this expansion as well. It's not just that the judges seem to be no longer impartial, and we've, we're seeing this with COVID. You know, i just a number of different issues where the 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 judge has just uh discarded any of uh a- any evidence just to side with uh the with um with the with the, with the health ministry mm-hmm. um it's not just that they're impartial it's that it's at that, that the, the the body of laws has grown where, where where do you where do you put that in the category of those three different images and 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 would you agree that assessment that the category that that the that it's just expanding, infinitum oh, almost oh,
1: sure. when you, when you say three different images what what three we scales, about? Uh,
0: blindfold sword
1: which one of those oh, I see I see I see okay well I mean the 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 the, vo- it's a, the volume certainly has 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 grown immensely I mean there's. There are very few things you can do in life now that are not affected by some kind of law or policy or regulation or guideline or or or, or somebody's authority. Uh, but that but that's only that's only one aspect of of this whole phenomenon. I mean, we're we're talking about the expansion of both the reality and the idea of the administrative state, which has its fingers everywhere, and not just. And not just involved in the activity, for example, going back to the professional regulators, not just the activity of regulating, but the reach and the kinds of things that it sees fit to regulate. Now, I mean, that all of those things have expanded. Um, and you're, what you say is, is, I think, is right about about what has happened during COVID, about courts. Embracing a particular narrative. I mean, some, some courts, some judges have, have, for example, uh, written about this, uh, taken judicial notice of the safety and efficacy of the vaccine in cases where the vaccine was the question. It, 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 judicial notice is not designed to allow courts to come to factual conclusions without evidence on the on the very facts that are in dispute. Um, I should point out that this is not by any means, all courts or all judges. I mean, some judges have, have, have have pushed back on the use of judicial notice in those circumstances and quite rightly. Um, But, but, but the trends that we are observing here are long trends. I mean, they're not, that didn't happen last year. didn't happen with the beginning of COVID. The, the, the erosion of the idea of blind justice has been, I would say, led by the Supreme Court of Canada over the past 40 years, uh, basically since the enactment of the Charter interpreting Section 15, which is the equality provision. And from the very first case under Section 15, the Supreme Court of Canada has said that Section 15 guarantees substantive equality, not formal equality, that is, equality of outcome between groups, not equality of treatment under the law as individuals. And for my money, that's not what the section says, but that that's what they've consistently said over the past few decades. Uh, We we had we had a case uh, not too long ago from the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, a split decision five to four, where four of the judges. Fortunately, it was not five, but four of the judges basically seemed to be of the opinion that the most important factor in sentencing for those convicted of a criminal offense was your race. Not not the crime. But, but the group that you belong to and, and so all these things are just a reflection of where we've where we've come to over a long period of time and for those people who who have the perception that this has all sort of come down to us suddenly it the, the it's crystallized suddenly and we can all sort of see it now but but this has been in development for a long time
0: it, It's crystallized because you can't go forever let we, you know we can't go forever on the slippery slope without hitting the bottom. And so, for those of us who have been saying for years we're on a slippery slope, everyone's like, ah, no, we're not. You know, uh, a, a great a, a great biblical metaphor for that a, 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 par- a um, parable was, you know, the the young rebellious son says to the father, "Give me all your wealth, give me give me give me my inheritance." Goes out and parties. It's not until the wealth is spent that he realizes. That the party mm-hmm. is over and so for years right. we've been uh we've been spending our cultural inheritance dwindling it away mm-hmm. and i think it's becoming quite clear that the party's over and that is why it's crystallized quickly i am trying to just i'm mm-hmm. just i i i don't know if you've um i don't know if you've read this one bruce just to your point about sentencing and ethnicity um, this one just came across my desk it's from publications.gc.ca and uh, the title of the mm-hmm. article is and my phone is now taking forever to load and so just uh, think to yourself about ready ethnocultural offenders in federal custody yeah. colon, an examination of mm-hmm. admission and custody and community suspensions indicators and it goes on to say that there are a number of ethnicities that are not mm-hmm. high enough represented in our in our criminal penal system. Right. Sure.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, they're saying out loud what what up until now has has been resisted. So so whenever whenever you make a statement that there is an insufficient um representation or an overrepresentation, as the case may be, then you are also making the opposite statement. Right. So if you say, if you say, you know, this group is overrepresented in the prisons, then you are by definition saying, well, there's other groups that are underrepresented. We need more of them. Or right? And now it's now they're actually saying it out loud. Right? And and the opposite happens in in the law society. This is part, this is part of the law society struggle. So part of the case being made by by activists at the Law Society is that there are not enough of group X in the profession. Now, when you say that, what you also mean is there are too many of group Y in the profession. We need to reduce those numbers because they're too high as a proportion of the whole.
0: It's all affirmative action. And again, it just so it just so quickly leans itself to an authoritative top-down approach where that has to be arbitrary. So if, if so, I'll, I'll just come right out and say it, cause uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, I think, I think it's pretty safe ground. So in this article uh, it said that Asians are underrepresented in, so right. I, Asians can't win. If, if you, if you're living in China, you have a socialistic government that tells you to comply about everything in the world. And, you know, again, I speak as an adoptive father who has adopted a Chinese daughter from China. And I'm I I thank Uh the Lord every single day that we have her and she doesn't have to go through what's happening in China right now. But then you immigrate to Canada and 15 years later, you're lawful and you're compliant. And now you've got the Canadian government saying, well, you're not represented enough in the criminal uh, penal code. You're getting away with your innocence way too much. So every time you have this affirmative action, it is utterly arbitrary to the manager. It it, it goes beyond whether it goes beyond your ethnicity. It goes on your ethnicity to do I like you. It goes on. It goes. It just goes. It's so arbitrary rather than, hey, by the way, you know why we have so many ex lawyers? Yeah, because they all
1: like that's who applied to be lawyers. Right. But, But this was always the idea behind the notion of blind justice to start with. You, you, you did not want your adjudicators to take notice of who you are in deciding what the proper right. result was going to be, yeah. right? It, 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 I mean, this, if you look at the statues of Lady Justice with the blindfold, that's the whole idea. You don't want to know the identity of the person you're dealing with, whether they're rich or poor or man or woman or gay or straight or black or white. It's not supposed to matter. You're supposed to, it is a, you know... Uh, no, you know I, that 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 I'll give a that
0: whole notion of Yeah, hard. and I'll give a real personal opinion of that. I'm sure, Bruce, you've felt like, man, I've spoken up about COVID. I sure hope my doctor doesn't treat me differently because my opinions on COVID are so strong. Sure. Sure. You know, oh, you know what? Sure. I, I've got a i have got I think we should protect I think we should protect the unborn and I think we should protect the elderly. I sure hope my aging parents don't go into the local hospital and someone connect my public name to their name and say, well, why don't we recommend euthanization today? Uh, just, just because of, uh, of association. That's where freedom of association comes in. You, you, that That's where the law is supposed to stand and protect and say, no, you, you couldn't murder that person because they associated with this person over here you can't you know maybe less extreme you can't deny treatment to them simply because you don't like their political opinions
1: well right but so let's so so well let's just delve into this this health system thing for a moment because so in an ideal world or at least an ideal world as i would conceive it you wouldn't have public authorities uh, controlling all of these services Right? So, so if you were dealing with a completely independent doctor, then, then as far as I'm concerned, that doctor should be allowed to decide whether to treat you or not. I mean, if, if, if my doctor, independent doctor heard me Pontificating about something and didn't like it and I came to him for something and the doctor said well you know what I really don't want to serve you anymore can you find a new doctor I would have to say fine because he's independent I'm independent it's a private relationship and that's his that's his right to, to behave according to his conscience but when you have the state controlling the whole thing then the state's priorities are the ones that 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 uh, that are ascendant and and they control, you know, the what the, the the he who he who pays the piper calls the tune, right? And 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 the government controls controls the tune. I want to say, Bruce? I'm so
0: glad you brought up that point because very often when we are having this conversation, we're having this conversation with the backdrop, the assumption of right. socialized medicine, and so I, right. yeah, I do want to clarify. I want as a pastor. To be able to, if someone comes in to freely associate with our church and agree upon mm-hmm. our, our, our statements of belief and, and to freely agree upon coming under the authority of the elders of the local church, I want to mm-hmm. be able to, and, and of course, they have the freedom to, uh, if I say I'm going to put you under church discipline for committing adultery on your wife, they mm-hmm. have the freedom to say, well, I no longer associate with this church. And I have the freedom to, say, if someone right. asks me what happened, why do they no longer associate with your church to say, well, we attempted A and they attempted B and now mm-hmm. they uh, are, are doing Y, whatever. So I actually agree with you. This is where I, 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 and I know you have a bit of a libertarian background and and I have libertarian conservative tendencies. But this point mm-hmm. is really well taken, and I've been saying it for for the last six months now. The only reason why we're talking about uh, refusing, you know, a business, have, you know, uh, not being able to refuse business, is because in okay. so many of these professions, there's only mm-hmm. one provider, and it's the government. Well, but right. If there right. are free and, providers. Then you build relationships yes. with local providers who who you want to be served by, and they want to serve you, and you have that private relationship. So I'm right. very glad that you brought up that point.
1: See, this is this is one way, if you like, to to describe what is happening at these regulators. So let's take the law study for a minute. So, well, let me back up one step. Um, People are responding to the Peterson situation or the law society situation by saying, well, you know, it's your choice. You don't have to be a psychologist or you don't have to be a lawyer. So you can go along. or You're not. It's not like you're being compelled. Well, actually, yes, you are, because you don't have a choice because this is a state apparatus, because you require. A license from them and no one else to practice your profession you don't have the same kind of choice as you do about joining a congregation or choosing you know what would otherwise be a private doctor and so on um so so that so so that the, the, there's an illusion of choice that is being promoted right um now I forget where no I'm no no uh, let, let me help uh, you because i
0: just want to jump in there anyways yeah. It's not like Jordan Peterson can turn around and create his own in Canada his own uh, association of psychologists. It, it's it's not like in you, Canada you many not- people can turn around and say, well, right. you know what? I don't like the Ontario Law Society. I, I'd rather practice law with the uh, with the Barry Law Society and right
1: right you know up right. right. to the right. races exactly. So. Yeah right you would you would not be permitted to do that that's the whole premise right. of having the state regulator but but to go to the to the metaphor that i was i was aiming at i mean it's almost as though the regulator is transforming itself from the regulator with the minimal job of ensuring competence into essentially the de facto employer you know you are operating under our umbrella and we will tell you how to behave, or we will essentially fire you. They are not the employer; that is not their function. They do not; they're not supposed to have that kind of authority. Their their original mandate, which has not changed in the statute, the original mandate is essentially to ensure that people are competent and and behave ethically. You know, they don't you don't siphon funds off somebody's trust account, and you know you know how to how to file a claim. If you've passed your education, you've passed the licensing, then you you're allowed to practice. But that's not what they're limiting themselves now to. And again, if we were living in a more free society,
0: even the regulatory bodies would have some form of independence because they would develop their own reputations for trustworthiness or or. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So. So if 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 but, I'm in an association of engineers and we've you know there's 35 of us and and we've built four bridges and three of them have tumbled and we've we've gone almost gone out of business because we've the the market then the individuals then say to you, "Say to you, uh, I, I don't need your expertise. You, you, you might have your nice little association, but I'm not coming to you. I'm going to go over here. Right. But the moment that association right. has so much legal teeth and uh, is a, you know, kind of a mono-regulatory body, you remove all genuine feedback to them. So not only do they become the employer, but, right. but right. who? Who regulates the regulators? Uh-
1: well, exactly. So, and, and the irony is that 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 when you have the sole regulator like this, and especially when they, you know, take on a different kind of agenda, then the other thing that you don't really know is whether or not the people who are being approved of and licensed are actually competent, <laughs> right? <laughs> No, totally.
0: They're, they're, they're being evaluated by right. a certain set of criteria, and you still don't know right. whether or not they can stand up in a courtroom and represent their clients. That's right. right. Absolutely. Well, do you know what, Bruce? We are right at the hour mark. And with that insightful and witty last statement... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut things down, everybody. Uh, what we're focusing on right now with Open Mic and with Liberty Dispatch is we're having these legal conversations. It's kind of a legal theme throughout the month of January and into February, uh, because of things uh, like Biblical Sexuality Sunday that we are involved in, and Bill C4 and all these new bills coming out, and all of these different fights uh, that. Um, are traditional and some uh, Christian uh, individuals are, are are involved with. And so Bruce, I really treasure this this insight into the Ontario Law Society and this conversation. Folks, would you go out and make sure that you share this video? And would you make sure that you, if, if you know any lawyers who, who currently maybe are unaware of how dire the situation is and just need to go out and vote Uh, for at their own law society, make sure you put this video into the hands of, uh, you know, some real estate lawyers. Or actually, Bruce, that's a good question. Is it is it any lawyer? Like I've got a any lawyer. I've got a great relationship with my real estate lawyer.
1: Yep. Yep. Oh, they're sure any 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 lawyer or paralegal licensed to practice in Ontario is eligible to book.
0: Okay, so folks, get this video. Let them listen in. Let them hear Bruce's wisdom on this, and let uh, let them hear the. the 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 battle that's actually going on the the activism and so again thank you share the video give it a five star rating even if you don't think it's worth five stars that's my fault not bruce's anybody godspeed Friends, we're posting new content multiple times every week throughout our various shows on this channel. So you're going to want to subscribe to it and hit that notification bell. That way you stay up to date with everything that we're releasing here with the Liberty Coalition Canada.